the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Not an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, oh, that's a very good question. Uh, hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team. <laughs> Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. What's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My uh, guest this hour is uh, has had some uh, interesting experiences, to say the least. He uh, is a graduate of Wayne State University. He is an actor, uh, sometimes bartender, and... Uh, and an author as well. He tells some of his stories about tending bar at the uh, Broadway hit um, Hamilton in his uh, in his book. Let me see if I can uh, find the title here in my notes. It's uh, I think Life at Hamilton, and um, he has a new book called Love Dead: How My Father Died Then Told Me He Didn't, and. Uh, Anyway, his name is Mike Anthony. He joins me by phone. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. You know, so much has happened to you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> leading up to and, and maybe to some degree including the pandemic that, um, you know, it's it's hard to squeeze it all into an introduction. I didn't even mention that the, <laughs> that, that the story that you tell in your book, Love, Dad, is uh, also going to be featured uh, in some uh, episodes of uh, Netflix series Surviving Death. And and I want to ask you about this title, My Father Died, Then Told Me He Didn't. Mm-hmm. At first glance, we, you know, we might look at that title and think this is about a near-death experience. But right. it's, it's yeah. something very mm-hmm. different than that. 
It is, yeah, yeah. My dad uh, came came near death and then absolutely died. He he did his his physical body did die, and then uh, and then things began to happen that were very difficult for me to explain and 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 kicked off a uh, nearly decade long uh, journey of investigation that led to some uh, really astounding places. And. The thing that I that I find most interesting about this about this new book, and I do want to talk about some of your experiences at at Hamilton, and also want to get your thoughts and comments about Broadway opening back up, and, and I think we're all kind of excited about that. But the uh, according to to something I read, um, someone reached out to you and said they had heard from your dad. This wasn't something that came to you in a dream or in a, a vision of some sort, somebody somebody contacted you and said, hey, I, I heard from your dad. That's right, that's right. Now, I'll, I'll just start by saying that before, you know, I have this very odd life, as you said. I You know, my day job is bartending at Hamilton. Uh, my During the day, I'm investigating evidence for the possibility of uh, the survival of consciousness past death. Uh, but how I started, I initially had gone to college to be a high school science teacher. That, that was where I had been headed initially. And, you know, science, uh, the, the, the mainstream materialist scientific paradigm is very clear on this. It's unequivocal that what happens when we die is absolutely nothing. Um, you know, the, the mainstream uh, uh, belief is that consciousness is a brain-created um, illusion, really, uh, that, that the mind creates. And when the brain stops getting oxygen, that's the end of the story. Um, and, and so that's what I, I had known in the back of my mind at the moment that my dad shockingly died. Um, and yeah, as you said, uh, it was the day or two after we buried him, a phone call came into the house uh, from a second cousin that we, we, I didn't even know this person, who had a friend who claimed to be a medium. Uh, which is a person who claims the ability to somehow communicate with deceased people. And he said that this medium friend of his uh, was claiming that my dad was, who she'd never met, by the way. This woman was an absolute stranger uh, to both my dad and my whole family. Uh, She claimed that my dad was contacting her desperate to get a message to his family that he was okay, that he'd survived his bodily death, and that he was okay. And so that's how the mediumship, you know, sort of splashed into our lives. When when the typical course of events, I, I would say, is that if you're going to, uh, if mediumship is going to enter your life, you probably seek it out. Uh, in our case, it came into us. But you were completely skeptical about about this. How did How did you, how did it end up going further? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm skeptical by nature, simply meaning, I mean, I'm open-minded, but skeptical meaning I, I'm not going to believe something just because someone tells me it's true. I, I need to see the evidence myself before I'm, I'm, I'm going to give it um, any weight. I mean, you, so, don't, you, you don't accumulate knowledge from Facebook memes and bumper stickers? <laughs> I, I, I mean, some, I, I'm sure that I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so when I ended up, once this happened, you know, I had to get to the bottom of it because, of, of course, we were absolutely in the depths of despair. And uh, I, 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 of course, wanted to believe with all of my heart 
that my dad had truly survived and contacted this stranger, but it was going to take a lot of convincing before I believed that. So I ended up getting this woman's number. We spoke for a very long time on the phone, and uh, I came away from that conversation at least believing that she believed what she was saying. And there was no money exchanged in this whole thing. People ask me that a lot. You know, this, sure. this, this woman, she did this as a hobby. It wasn't a professional thing she was doing. And I came away really believing that she believed my dad was really desperate to get this, this message to us. And, and she was doing this because she felt that she had to. And she also said a couple of things during the course of that conversation that she claimed were coming from my dad that I could not understand how she could have known um, so, some very sort of private things. So um, that, you know, caught my interest. And I told my sister about this conversation that I'd had. And the very next morning, my sister was driving to work. And by coincidence, there happened to be a radio station on in her car that was having a segment with a woman calling herself a professional evidential medium. And you could hire this woman, and she would come in and talk to your dead loved ones and give you proof uh, that they were still there. And the timing of that was felt pretty profound. So my sister ended up contacting this woman. She came to our house to do a reading, and, and that was when I was able to do my first uh, casual test. The, the, the woman from was, the radio or, or the original person that had contacted you came to your house? The woman from the way, the radio, okay. the one who claimed who was a professional. Gotcha. You know, so she made money. Uh, she made a good living doing this. This was like her day, her day job, you know. Uh, and the way that I casually tested her was pretty simple. I, I, you know, I, I have to tell her, you, Mike, you've used the, yeah. the term day job two or three times already in our conversation. And that is <laughs> such a unique <laughs> phrase to people in the arts. Yeah, that's true. I, I forget that. That's true. Yeah. The arts in you is showing. That's all I'm saying, Mike. You're absolutely 100% right. Yeah, no one in the arts field, uh, almost no one has just one job. We, we do all of these different things to keep the, uh, the boat afloat. But, um, yeah, so this was her full-time job, I'll say. Uh, she, and she was a, you know, considered herself a professional. Uh, this is how she made her living. And so I, I set up a, a casual little test by talking to my dad, who, according to mediums, was still around somehow. Uh, I was alone at his house, and I asked him to deliver a very specific message to me that night, if this was real. So she came to the house and did the reading, and at the very end of it, at the very end, she looked right at me. There were seven people. We were in my mom's living room, seven of us there. Not all connected to my family, by the way. And, and she did not know who was going to be there. She just knew uh, the address she was supposed to show up at. And at the very end, she looked right at me and delivered my specific message to me. And that was the moment where I thought, hmm, uh, maybe there, there's more to look into here. And you didn't share that message with anyone else? No one. Not even my mom or my sister. Not even my family. So... When, when she said it, um, I, I, it like took my breath away for a second, you know, and my mom and my sister are saying, what, what? And so I explained to them <laughs> that I had done this, this test. Um, yeah, so it was completely and, and only and between me, me and my dad. Let me just back up uh, for a minute. How did you get the message to your dad to give to you through her? I was just in, I was in my dad's house. He lives, uh, we lived in Connecticut and he lived in a back lot, very secluded. And I was completely alone. 
and I was standing in, in his uh, garage, and it suddenly I was flooded with the memory that when I was a little kid, I would uh, ask my dad to play with my hair at night to help me fall asleep, and the poor guy would have to do this for hours, you know, once he started <laughs> until his hand was cranking, and, and that memory just flooded my brain for some reason. That was something I hadn't thought of in years, and I said, okay, Dad, that's the deal. Uh, I want this woman to mention my hair. Uh, if she doesn't mention my hair, I don't care what else she says, I'm not going to believe it. So, so that was how I, you know, quote unquote, delivered the message to my dad. I simply asked him alone in his house um, to, to get that message through. And like I said, at the very end, the reading lasted for about an hour and a half. And it wasn't just that. I mean, she was saying a bunch of things that were not published on Facebook, not in any obituary, uh, almost in, in one case, sort of quoting a very private and personal conversation my sister and I had had a day or two before. Uh, and then at the very end, she looked right at me in the middle of a sentence, by the way. We were like wrapping up to read. And she stopped. And then apropos of nothing, she looked at me and said, your dad wants to talk about your hair? And and, and that was the moment that, that was really Mike, surprising. And just being devil's advocate, I have to ask you, there's and there's nothing peculiar about your hair that that somebody might pick up on and say, I bet if I say something about that, it would be quirky. Um, right, yeah, yeah. You don't Very have good spiky hair or, you know, it's... <laughs> uh, Tom, I have the absolute most average hair you can okay. find All on right. the planet. Yeah, short, brown, uh, and that was why. That I'm was just checking because, I, you know, for, no, for those of us that are yeah. skeptical of these yes. people who claim to be in contact with the other side. Um, yeah. There are people out there that are so good at reading people that it mm -hmm. does seem otherworldly. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I go into that in the book for absolutely. There are people out there who, who are faking this, no doubt about it. And as you said, you know, the human brain is an amazing thing. We, we know that there are brains that are able to do things that the typical brain is not, <clears throat> you know, um, people on the, on the spectrum of autism, for instance, some, you know, there's the, the famous movie rain man, for instance, sure. um, there are people who can do this, these mathematical calculations that seem impossible and we don't understand how it happens, but their brain is able to do it. So maybe there are brains out there that are fantastically, uh, equipped to, to somehow measure pupil dilation or the quiver of someone's lip, you know, anything about their facial expression or their tone, their vocal tone, and maybe they're picking up information that way. So, you know, I, I, I definitely go into that stuff in the book, and I'm highly, uh, acutely aware of, of that possibility. And I do know, absolutely, I mean, the history of mediumship is fraught with fraud. Um, and, and that's one of the reasons why there's such a, a pale over it and why it's difficult uh, to get uh, a, a, um a scientist of renown, or any mainstream scientist, really, uh, to take a good, solid look at this today, although there are some out there doing that. So, yes, um, you're totally right about that, and um, and being skeptical is absolutely necessary with a claim of this nature. Of course, as Carl Sagan said, extraordinary claims uh, require extraordinary evidence. So that was just the beginning of my, my testing. I, I, I certainly went further after that. I want to talk some more about that, and I want to talk about some of your experiences at Hamilton, but I have a break coming up, Mike. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? Absolutely. Sure my can, yes. My guest is uh, Mike Anthony, and his new book is called My Father Died, Then, he, then Told Me He Didn't. 
And uh, also, he is the author of a book called Life at Hamilton. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about both of those things with uh, Mike Anthony after we let our broadcast partner squeeze in a few words. If you're streaming us, we have Hello, some darling. messages this as well. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom. This is my favorite interview always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Hello. Speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. 
Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation now with actor and uh, occasional bartender and author Mike Anthony. Mike, uh, thanks for sticking around. Welcome back, and sorry to make you sit through all that. Now, that was a lot of fun. Those were some of the most fun uh, radio commercials I've ever heard, Tom. <laughs> well, good. Um <laughs> Now we were talking before the break about your uh, your recent book. Um, my father died, then told me he didn't. Uh, but you have written a book called Life at Hamilton, um, with a background in science, um, and and then uh, being an actor and a sometimes bartender, bar manager at uh, the Hamilton Theater. Um, and now a couple of books. Um, are you still figuring out what you want to do as a day job? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you know, uh, I think it was Lao Tzu that said, uh, I think it was Lao Tzu that said, the good traveler has no plans, no destination. Uh, and that's turned out to sort of be my situation in life. Yes, uh, so still, still working on it. Well, were you, um, now you were tending bar at Hamilton when you got the news I mean, you got the news that your father had died, and then all of a sudden the doors open and people come flooding up to your bar expecting drinks. I mean, that that had to be horrible. And and then when when was that exactly uh, in relationship to when the theater ended up shutting down because of uh, the pandemic? It was actually before Hamilton. I was working at another show before Hamilton opened. Oh, it was 2011. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I got the news literally just before intermission. My sister called, and I answered my cell phone, and she was just wailing, saying, he's gone, he's gone, he's gone. And, uh, that's how I found out. And and, um, and and you had to muddle through that. But then you're working at the Hamilton Theater, and it shuts down for the pandemic. Now, will you be going back when it opens back up now? I will, yes. We, we just got the word last week that we're going to be opening in September, uh, finally seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, so, yes, we, we just absolutely cannot wait, as you can imagine, to get back. And then, how, now, how does that work, tending bar at a, at a show like that, especially for an actor? Are you... Do you work shifts? Are you able to take other jobs, acting jobs? How how does that how does that work? Yeah, yeah. It was this job was an absolute blessing because I, I I had and though I had initially gone to school for for science, I had always been an actor in a, in the background, and I was an acting minor for a long time in undergrad, and then I ended up switching and getting my degree in theater arts, and then I went to grad school for acting as well. And after uh, graduating with my MFA, I moved to New York City and, you know, was doing acting here and there. And then to make ends meet, as we've talked about before, uh, you know, a lot of actors have another job. Uh, and I was doing a lot of temp work. But then I got this job bartending 
at a theater, uh, and it was just the perfect job because almost everyone that I worked with were also actors or involved in the arts in some way. And, you know, it was a job that I thought I'd have for a few months until my acting career took off into the stratosphere. Uh, and then I blinked, <laughs> and 14 years went by, and I was still behind that bar. Uh, but working at Hamilton, I, I'm now the bar manager. I've been there so long that they just basically had to make me the manager, I guess. And uh, being at Hamilton has just been the experience of experiences. It's It's been an extraordinary uh, I feel just so grateful to have been able to be so close uh, to something that was so amazing. Just out of curiosity, Mike, why New York and not L.A.? Well, me, I, I'm a, I was mostly a stage actor, um, okay. and L.A. is typically more film, sure. uh, at least back back in the day anyway. Uh, so that was why. And also my family's in Connecticut, so I was a bit closer to my family. Okay. How, how did... Um now, with your family in Connecticut, how was it that you went to Wayne State? They just had this fantastic grad program for acting, uh, the Hillbury Theater. Okay. That was well-known, and um, I got a scholarship to go there, um, and so, so that's how I ended up in Detroit. Okay. Well, it's right down the road from where I am. So I, I, oh, when fantastic. I, when I saw that, because my show is based in Flint. Flint, Michigan. Oh, wonderful. So it's just, yes, it's literally that. right up the road from from Wayne State. Um, okay, so then which came first, uh, Life at Hamilton or Love Dad? The, the Life at Hamilton was the book that was written first, and then Love Dad was, was written second, but the story of Love Dad has sort of been unfolding over the last 10 years. And what about either of those things um, caused you to think, hey, there's a book in this? Well, with Life at Hamilton, uh, I had been sharing stories on Facebook uh, about things that were happening in the lobby. I mean, my, my whole time working on Broadway, I, I, I'd experienced a lot of, you know, fascinating things, met interesting people. And I would often share those stories on Facebook for my friends and my family. And eventually, some of those stories started to go a little bit viral on Facebook, and this uh, following grew up around the stories. And as it turned out, one of the followers was a, a woman named Stephanie Garrison Good, who's a New York Times bestselling author. And she suggested that the story should be collected into a book. Um, and it was all thanks to this woman. She took the stories to her agent, um, and the whole reason the book got published is because uh, the universe helped it happen. Um, it was really thanks to, to this woman and other incredibly kind people who, who helped it happen. Um, and, and Love Dad, you know, the story was just so incredible. And the way that it ends, um, you know, the last chapter of the book, I even hesitated to put in the book because it's so beyond what the average person is going to think of as possible. Uh, but, but it did truly, honestly happen. Um, and it's so extraordinary, and it so changed our lives and our sense of, of reality and let us know without doubt that science has so much left to learn. Uh, it felt just like it wouldn't be fair <laughs> to keep the story to ourselves. You know, I wanted gotcha. to have it out there so, so people have access to it if they want. You know, when you mentioned, uh, uh, you know, all of the things, uh, you know, that you, the people that you met and, and the things that you picked up on, being on Broadway all those years reminded me of a story. I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently Arthur Miller is uh, 
uh, about to attend an opening of one of his plays, and he walks over to a hot dog vendor, and the hot dog vendor says, Hey, Artie, remember me? We went to high school together. And he goes, Oh, yeah. And he says, So what are you doing now, Artie? And he says, Well, I wrote a play. It's opening down the street. And the hot dog vendor says, Hmm, playwriting. I should have gone into that. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> heard that. And and I I don't know if the story is true or not, but it's but it's a fun story. And whenever somebody and I can't help thinking of it whenever somebody talks about stuff that happens on Broadway. Um, <laughs> but the things that you learned after having it revealed to you through a medium. Uh, basically giving you a message from your father and and in in many ways confirming for you that there is something after corporeal death that um the question is did that make you more or less of the scientist you had been trained to be well, um, I, the thing is that I, once that message, that code word was delivered, I, I could not let it go. And a year later, I called that woman back and I said, listen, I need to know uh, what happened there. I need to know if you're truly doing what you claim to be. I would like to make a documentary. And that's what I started to do. That's how the Surviving Death, that's how I ended up getting involved in the Netflix series Surviving Death. I said, I want to make a documentary where I sit you down in front of a camera and I walk complete strangers into the room and have you do readings for them. And I want to see if you can get the sort of information you got from my family when I know there is no way you had any time to Google anything or hire private detectives to follow people or whatever it is a person who fakes this stuff might be doing. And she said, sure, I'll do that. And up to this point now, I have filmed her doing over 20 readings with complete strangers. Often, I would not even tell anyone on set who was coming in that day. And this could have been anyone in the world that walked in to the set. And I watched her time and again get information that science simply has no current explanation for the pathway for. Um, you know, uh, all 20 of the people, by the way, that I've had do this now, and they range on the spectrum of belief to skeptic, uh, you know, they're the whole range. Some were very skeptical. Some already believed in mediumship when they, when they started this process. Even the most skeptical woman that we had involved, she was the most skeptical woman. Even she, after that experience, came away saying, yeah, she's doing something that I at least cannot explain. So it wasn't just that one code word that delivered. I mean, I really, uh, you know, I really put this woman to the test. And then I ended up discovering, you know, that I'm saying to myself, well, if I, this bartender, actor, am finding this stuff, it must be that smarter people than me have looked into this at some point. And I was shocked to find the level of science, the amount, the sheer amount of experimentation that has, has been done with regard to mediumship. Going back 100 years, some of the brightest scientists of the day, uh, for instance, here in America, kicked off by a guy named William James, who founded the psychology department at Harvard. Um, this guy was a brilliant guy, and he studied this one particular medium for 20 years, two decades, came away unequivocally saying that she was getting information 
in a way that science cannot yet explain. So it, it wasn't just me. There, there's current science now going on at the University of Virginia, the University of Arizona. There's a wonderful scientist named Dr. Julie Beichel, uh, who's founded the Winbridge Research Center. She uh, was a typical scientist. She was involved in toxicology and pharmacology when she came across mediumship in her own life and was so uh, flummoxed by what she saw, being the good scientist, she, she said to herself, well, I want to see what just happened here. And so now uh, she was so moved by what she saw that she has founded an entire research center that only focuses on studying mediumship. And they are doing, and they're, you know, they're published in peer-reviewed journals. They're doing fantastic research out there. And, um, you know, she has come away with the conclusion. Uh, she calls it anomalous information reception. Some people... Are, have an ability where they can anomalous, somehow get information in some anomalous way uh, that that science does not yet understand the the, the pathway for. So it, it wasn't just me. Um, you know, there's a lot of work being done out there. And and the thing that I'm I'm curious about, and I I suppose you've looked at this and considered this yourself, Mike. That um, with all the the research that has been done and is being done how is it that we can accept the existence of subatom uh, subatomic particles but not telepathy or or esp yeah. or or some other form of sentience right so that is a fantastic point and that is what the argument that i make what's uh, it going to take What's it going to take? Yeah, I mean, if you talk right now to, to people who are on the cutting edge of, of the, like string theory, for instance, you know, the, 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 the theories that are trying to formulate what happens at the very fundamental level of reality. For instance, there's a guy named Brian Greene. He's a well-known string theorist. If you talk to those people, they sound more mystical than any other mystic that I've ever read. I, I, mean, <laughs> I know. That's... Yeah, it's the, the world is a bizarre world that we simply cannot understand. You know, Einstein famously said, uh, he called it spooky action at a distance. He said, I can't believe that God plays dice. You know, he died. He went to his deathbed believing that there must be something wrong with quantum theory because it was so bizarre. But, however, since Einstein's death, you know, the, our instrumentation has increased monumentally, the sensitivity of our instruments. And we now know without a doubt that things exist in multiple places at once. Uh, you, you know, the, the, you know, Einstein said that light sometimes behaves as a particle and sometimes as a wave, you know, which it has this yeah. duality, which doesn't make any sense. We now know that that absolutely is true. So for any scientist, for anyone to say, listen, telepathy is impossible or psychic ability is impossible, to say anything is impossible when we don't even understand the foundations upon which all of our math is built doesn't make sense to me. And, and you know, it's, it's amazing to me Mike, in the in the field of astronomy, for example, with all the advanced technology and the probes and and rockets and lenses and telescopes, we're still confirming things that Copernicus and those guys mapped out. Yes, yeah. The, I mean, the human intellect is an amazing thing, so I don't mean to be um, bashing science here at all. No, I mean, and am, that's and that's not that's not the intent of of my original question. It was, you know, what's what's it going to take for us to say yeah, it's possible? 
Yes, <laughs> right. Uh, I don't know what it's going to take. You know, for instance, right now we have the, the, a, a large UFO uh, story that is unfolding, and I'm very much um, on top of it because a good friend of mine is Leslie Kane. She's the journalist for the New York Times who broke the story uh, in 2017 about the Pentagon's program investigating UFOs. And now here in June, there's the UFO, the, the UAP task force that is going to be delivering uh, some, some form of uh, a report about what the government supposedly knows about UFOs. Uh, videos are slowly being leaked that have been taken by the Navy and the Air Force. Um, a guy named Commander David Fravor, a Top Gun pilot, you know, sort of kicked off this whole thing when he talked about the Tic Tac UFO, which has become a pretty uh, well-known story now. These things, which we have now captured without question on the most sensitive photographic and radiographic uh, uh, equipment that we have, you know, the, 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 we have these packages hanging off the bottom of F-18 fighters, you know, that are that are highly sensitive radar uh, and, and forward-looking infrared camera uh, attachments. And we have captured these things on that equipment behaving in ways that we do not understand, that, that our physics say is impossible. Um, so, you know, we, we, we constantly hear now people like Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio from Florida, who's heading up the task force saying, you know, these things are breaking the laws of physics. <laughs> and obviously, no, they are not breaking the laws of physics. They're simply telling us that we don't yet know what the laws of physics are. That's what they're telling us. And yet, even though the evidence is now clear that these things exist, whatever they are, they're in the sky, they're in the ocean, that they, they exist. People now ask me still all the time, do you believe in UFOs? Do I believe in them? Belief has no part in this equation. It's not a question of belief. They are there. They're definitely there. So what's it going to take to get the scientific community to accept this stuff? I have no idea when, when we already have it captured on, on, on all of the, the best equipment that we have, and people are still asking the question, uh, do you believe? I have interviewed and, and talked to psychics and, and mediums who believe that, uh, that everyone has this ability but for some it's been unlocked and others it hasn't um that there's there's some some kind of way of you know call it extrasensory perception whatever you want to call it um that everybody has that ability innate in them um and i you know, again, I remain skeptical, but after the research that you did, Mike, do you consider yourself a believer or more open to it? Um, yeah, again, belief is a tricky word. I, I, what I say is that I see evidence suggesting that some human brains are able to get information in a way that we do not understand, that our current scientific paradigm does not allow for. So whether we call it telepathy, uh, you know, I don't know. And the question of survival beyond death is definitely an open question because it's possible it is telepathy, right? It's possible this is a human ability that we don't yet understand. Well, and not it suggests that there is something that science has never really dealt with that is separate from corporal life, um, an awareness, a soul, uh, again, you can 
pick whatever words you want to describe it, but that life doesn't start and end with birth and death. No, if you look at the research at the University of Virginia, for instance, the Division of Perceptual Studies, uh, which was founded now almost 60 years ago by a brilliant uh, guy named Dr. Ian Stevenson, well-known. He'd published in like 300 peer-reviewed journals by the time he was 30-something. I mean, this guy was uh, an intellectual heavyweight. He started investigating children who claimed to have memories from previous lives. And he ended up finding out that some of these kids remember so many things that he could actually find the previous person. Some of them had lived years before, maybe 50 years before. He could locate who that person was and find out, oh my gosh, that person did have a dog named Bo. They did have two daughters. They did live on Roxbury Street. I mean, some of these kids are coming up with that much information. And so now the division has, uh, again, it's at UVA, has over 2,500 solved cases, meaning that the child has given enough information to figure out who the previous person was. And sure enough, when they find that person, the details match up to what the kid said. I encourage anyone who is on the fence about all of this stuff. Uh, among all of my research, this is the thing that really uh, opened my, my eyes uh, the most, I'd say. I encourage anyone to check out the, the website at the University of Virginia Division of Perceptual Studies. I mean, I drove down there. I interviewed Dr. Dr. Jim Tucker, who is now heading up the division. I looked at those rooms of files, thousands upon thousands of files. The, the amount of effort that has gone into uh, investigating this is astounding. And there's no way you can look at that evidence and that research and come away uh, without thinking something is going on here. Uh, my, my guest is uh, actor and uh, sometimes bartender and now author Mike Anthony. And we've been talking about his book, Love Dad, How My Father Died, Then Told Me He Didn't. And I, you know, Mike, I thought we were going to talk more about life at Hamilton than life after death, but um, this is such a fascinating story, and I want to make sure we just have about two minutes left, and I, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. You've been a, a delight to talk with, um, but I, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more, because these are not issues you want to just Google. Right, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because you're going to get I, a I, lot I, of junk. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, again, uh, UVA is a really great resource. The Winbridge Research Center, uh, if people are interested in mediumship, I also suggest the Forever Family Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization that rigorously tests people who claim the ability uh, of mediumship. And anyone you find certified on their website has been found to have some ability, again, that science can't explain. Uh, and my, my website is MikeAnthony.com. Uh, and also, Tom, I've had such a great time speaking with you. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thanks for spending this time with me, and I am so glad to find out that, um, that, that there's uh, more life at Hilton, or um, <laughs> at Hamilton. <laughs> That that Hamilton is coming uh, coming back, coming back. Can't wait. Well, Mike, thanks so much, and uh, good luck with uh, everything you're doing. Appreciate it, Tom. I, uh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Take care. You too. Again, that was uh, Mike Anthony. He uh, is the bar manager for the uh, Hamilton Theater, 
and uh, they're going to be opening up again uh, in September. But uh, his his latest book, Love, well, he's written a book about his experiences uh, tending bar at Hamilton called Life at Hamilton. But his new book is called Love Dad, How My Father Died, Then Told Me He Didn't. And we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with the final segment of today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program. If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Lions. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's, that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. Hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all always. It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a kind and check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. 
where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. The uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. We'd like to do a uh, song from a Broadway show. The show is Paint Your Wagon and the song is I Talk to the Trees. I talk to the trees and they never to the stars but they never hear me the breeze hasn't time the breeze hasn't time to stop and hear what i hear say what i say i talk to them all. i talk to them all in vain but suddenly my suddenly Stupid song. <laughs> Every time that I that I hear you sing time. that song, I think it. Boy, what a stupid song. Yeah, you think it, but you really pick a fine time to tell me about it. Well, I wanted to surprise you. No, oh. yeah. you succeeded. You surprised me. But for your information. Talk to the Trees is not stupid. It's, it's from a hit Broadway show entitled Paint Your Wagon, which was a great show. A lot of great songs. Paint Your Wagon? <laughs> yeah. Stupid, sounds like a stupid show and a stupid song. And it's a dumb... And anybody connected with a show or a song like that has got to be a stupid, dumb, weirdo freak. All right, I agree with you. The show happens to be about a young man very much like yourself. Maybe I spoke a little hastily. It's about a young man very much like my brother. He's young and shy and bashful, very timid. But he's so much in love. That, that makes everything all right. He was so much in love. It was his first love. But he was so bashful that he was afraid to tell his sweetheart that he loved her. And she knew not of his love. But he had to tell someone or something because it, this frustration, this terrible feeling was building up within him. And... Finally, he did a very beautiful thing. He went out did into the Did he tell country. her that he loved her? No. He never did. He wished he could. He wished he had the courage to walk up to her and 
take her by the hand and look deeply into her eyes and say very simply and truthfully, I love you. I love you very much. And I only hope that one day you may grow to love me half as much as I love you right now. I will. Because I... <laughs> That's just enough. But he couldn't do that. So one day he went out in the countryside and he tried to communicate with Mother Nature's wise old trees and, and talk to these trees and tell these marvels of nature, these wise old trees of his great love. You guys love, are real nut. <laughs> no, he's not a nut. Sneaking off into the forest to talk to the trees. <laughs> Tommy, that's not what he did. Hi there, Mr. Tree. How are you? How's Mrs. Tree? <laughs> All the little bushes. <laughs> a guy like that would talk to a fire he hydrant. Didn't. What do you mean, fire? Hi there, fire. I've just been talking to this big old tree over here. <laughs> Certainly have a lot in common, you two. <laughs> All right, now that is just enough. Tommy, don't you understand at all? Just a second. Hi there, stage. Used to be a tree, didn't you? <laughs> you are a very shallow, callow individual. You have made fun of this song. You haven't even tried to understand. Who's your fat friend? You used to be a tree, didn't you, Patty? <laughs> you leave my base See what alone. Happens? You hang around with the wrong type of people. Shut up! You really should be proud of yourself. Really, you should be very proud of yourself. You stood up here and you ridiculed me. You ridiculed this song. You ridiculed a wonderful show. And it's and you think everybody's proud of you out there. You think they're all looking up there and say, "Oh, why isn't he a sharp, clever boy?" No, they're all staring at you. They're staring and wondering. And they've, you know what you've shown them? You've shown them how crass, how shallow, how unfeeling an individual can be, how totally void of any poetic beauty in your entire makeup, your entire soul. You didn't understand the song? You ridiculed me and you've come down Why a, a you notch let, or two. That's you, all I've got to say. You, you what? Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't care what you do now. You didn't like, go ahead. You talked, you talked mean to me and, and you said that I didn't have any sensitivity and I was a crass, shallow person. I happen to be a person too, Dickie, and I have sensitivity and I have feeling and I have love in my heart. I'm sensitive to every little blade of grass that grows. But I wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Fascinating rhythm, you got me on the go. Fascinating rhythm, I'm all a quiver. What a mess you're making, the neighbors will want to know why I'm always shaking, just like a quiver. Each morning I get up with the sun to find that I'm so unhappy Won't you take a day off Decide to run along Somewhere far away off And baby may 
snappy Oh, how I long to be The girl I used to be Fascinating rhythm Stop picking on me Stephanie wrapping it up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner program. Actually wrapping things up for the week. I want to say thanks to all my guests that were on the show today, starting with uh, the author of a new book called Love Dad, My Father Di- How My Father Died, Then Told Me He Didn't, by Mike Anthony. And uh, before that, talking with paleontologist uh, and dino expert Nizar Ibrahim. And uh, starting off this morning with a conversation with um, the author of uh, Billy Wilder, or yeah, On Assignment is the is the name of it, Noah Eisenberg. Anyway, Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories, sending me down the hall. 
to the living room. Good night, everybody. Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner program. And thanks for listening.